0: For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 and coming at you from the great state of Texas, Texas. good morning, afternoon, and evening to everyone who is tuning into today's episode of Bridge. Welcome to the Christian Podcast who brings on the uh, the the world's top Christian pastors, scholars, and theologians to discuss all things theology and to engage the culture of our day through a Christian worldview. I am your host, Julio Ahmad Rodriguez, and across from me I got... My co-host as always, Mr. A.W. Virillo. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? If you are new to the program, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Android, Windows, Google Play. And also, please, please, please rate us or leave us a review. Uh, This allows us to move up the charts of the podcast platforms. And as well, we just thoroughly enjoy uh, getting both positive and negative feedback. So, all, all that really helps. Also, you could, uh, you could download our Bridge app, which is available across all uh, app stores. So, just simply type in Bridge Ministries. You'll see our logo and name. Uh, there you can fill yourself in with everything from expository sermons through books of the Bible, lectures on uh, uh, from our apologetics conference, biblical articles on Christian faith and practice, and of course, you can tune into Bridge Radio every single week. So, there's a lot of uh, delicious theological goodness to chew on, right? right, Abe? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we want to give a shout-out to the great content of Africa. We've been getting some uh, a lot of listeners from Africa mm-hmm. and just want to say hello to our brothers and sisters out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone who's listening in. That's uh, definitely something to be uh, very thankful for. Um, but, uh, yeah, speaking of, actually I just mentioned theological goodness, it's it's, it's Thanksgiving, yes. and so there's a lot of deliciousness, deliciousness to come. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite food to eat on Thanksgiving Day?
1: Uh, of course, the turkey. The turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy um, that's you yeah like i i love mashed potatoes uh-huh. i pile them high with gravy and then just take a piece of the turkey and <laughs> dive in there and just you know so i'm excited to gain 10 pounds this weekend <laughs> which well, i don't need because i'm already fat so
0: <laughs> <laughs> well for me I, I i i felt like i i committed like blasphemy in, in front of a bunch of people but I, I don't really get hyped for turkey at all yeah. To me, yeah. it's all about the ham. Yeah. I don't have um ham. Well, I have ham, like yeah. with my eggs and stuff, but I don't have the ham that is like made on yeah. Thanksgiving, that yeah. like really big thing, and I just cut it up into pieces yeah. with a biscuit. It tastes so good.
1: Yeah. So, so. so football and football in uh in Turkey. Yeah. Doesn't get any more American than that, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, guys, on today's edition of Bridge Radio, we're going to be discussing eschatology with a special guest who's been on the program before. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the big fancy words, such as eschatology, it simply means the study of end times. Uh, In Christianity, there are three orthodox views. Pre-millennialism, all millennialism, and post-millennialism. Uh, today's guest is going to be defending and teaching post-millennialism a little bit about it. Uh, I've been really reading his book Heaven Misplaced: Christ's Kingdom on Earth, which is a written uh, which is written for the purpose of, uh, of making a biblical case for post-millennialism. And uh, our guest is one of my favorite pastors, theologians, and apologists. Uh, he's the senior pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. And uh, thank you so much, Douglas Wilson, for joining us on the program again.
2: Great to be with you. Thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, so, Doug, uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. What what is the uh, Wilson family doing? As well as how does your uh, Thanksgiving plate usually look like?
2: Uh, so the Wilson family, every, all, all three of my kids, and all seventeen of my grandkids and family are here in Moscow. Live here in Moscow, and mm-hmm. so we don't ha- don't have a lot of travel involved usually. Mm-hmm. So we um, we're all getting together for a big um, blowout. Um, so. <laughs> Um, and sometimes the, we have a regular company, and they they travel away. So we have a weekly Sabbath dinner. Okay. So sometimes events like uh, Thanksgiving are milder or smaller right. <laughs> affairs than sure. what we usually have. But the the table is usually the standard um, the standard fare: green beans, uh, pistachios, uh, cheese, potatoes, mashed potatoes, gravy, uh, cranberries, turkey, ham, the whole deal. Wow, right. And uh, so. It's a it's a pretty good business.
1: Yeah. Nice. I just got hungry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and, about... and that's my that's my case for post
0: millennial. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's all you need, man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, so the last time you were on the program, uh, we had you to talk about your book to a thousand generations, uh, infant baptism, covenant mercy to the children of God, and and it's a defense of paedo baptism. But interestingly enough, uh, Abe, if, if you haven't listened to it, he wrote that book while um, while he was a credo baptist Baptist mm. so I, I want to pose this question to you uh, in, in in regards to heaven misplaced is there is there some sort of similar story to that
2: uh, no there there isn't uh, the 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 baptism book is the only book that I wrote to myself as I was processing okay. processing these things and the and the reason for that was um, as I, I read a bunch of pedo books uh books and they and now i would say that they're good books and i agree with them but they weren't getting at the questions that i had you know i had maybe some peculiar questions that were hitching me up and i couldn't find a book that addressed those questions okay so i i wrote through those questions for myself as i was processing it with um with eschatology it was a little bit different because um for a long time i was um uh, historic for a number of years I was historic pre- mill okay. not dis- not ever dispensational, but I was uh, pre mill sort of in the in the Gordon Ladd um, uh, scheme of things okay and and I couldn't but my problem was I I knew roughly what the system was or generically what the system was but I never could get it to arise out of the text you know um, hmm. I just I just couldn't so finally, I just abandoned um any millennial position and I became an agno millennialist. Okay. Um I d- I, d- I remember telling someone, "Look, Jesus is coming again. Don't push me." You know. Right. <laughs> um, that that's that's all I know is that mm-hmm. there's a second there's a second coming. And I went for probably 2 or 3 years like that, not not knowing what on earth I thought about okay. uh, anything. And um and in that period of um, just verses floating around, I, um, uh, came across some post mill writers and, and this is an, one of the more interesting experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. There was one of them that I was reading and, and I, his, uh, his hermeneutic was a little bit gaudy for me. I'm, I'm, um, not, not, I don't like a uh, flamboyant exegesis or, okay. you know, lots of, uh, typology on fire or anything like that i'm I'm closer to a historical grammatical um you know take it easy kind of you know stay close to the text gotcha and so his hermeneutic was a little flamboyant for me but while i was reading his book he uh he quoted first corinthians 15 for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet and when i read that verse it was not so much the the book as it was reading that verse mm, okay i read that verse and something snapped in my head like a dry twig you know tsh, and uh-huh. all of these verses i i had been reading scripture and all these verses were sort of floating around in my head and they assembled sort of in my head in a system it was like cards fluttering together mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh, it was um, it was a lot of, basically, it was a lot of fun, but it was this the sort of thing I learned from others. Um, so it was very different from the baptism process.
0: I see, I see. So for our, our listeners who are a little bit unfamiliar with this whole you know, millennialism and yada, 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 uh, can you kind of just give a, a, a little short description on what is post-millennialism? And just in essence, what is it what does it believe? If, I know it's very loaded, but if you could just kind of summarize that up for our listeners.
2: Sure, and it's somewhat unfortunate that the three positions are named um, uh, what they are because mm-hmm. there's one – there's one chapter in the Bible that talks about the millennium, Mm. and it's Revelation 20, and someone's, uh, one wit, once said that the millennium is a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, uh, in Revelation 20, it's a very difficult chapter, in a very difficult book, Mm. and that that one uh, phrase, that one word, millennium, is how we name all three of our 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 views but the but that's the way it is so um th- the best way to understand it is the millennium is is um this period of peace and the prefix the pre uh, or the post tell you where you locate the second coming of Christ mm-hmm. with regard to that millennium yeah so the premillennialist believes that Christ is going to come the second time prior to the millennium mm-hmm. and he will usher it in the amillennial uh is the amillennialist is the one who uh, the awe is the term of negation so he's the one who doesn't believe in a literal earthly millennium he thinks that the millennium is a spiritual uh reign the saints are reigning with christ spiritually in the heavenly places and that christ is going to come again so christ's second coming doesn't have any particular reference to the millennium historically because there is no historic millennium okay. and then the postmillennialist is the one who locates the second coming of Christ at the conclusion of the millennium, at the end of the millennium Okay, and so, um, the and so the pre and the postmillennialist both agree that the millennium has an earthly manifestation the premillennialist says that Christ himself will usher it in and the postmillennialist says that the preaching of the gospel will usher in the millennium and then the world will be christianized the great commission will be f- successfully fulfilled hmm. and then at the conclusion of that process christ comes and destroys the last enemy death so um pre basically postmillennialists are very historically optimistic yeah that that missions will succeed the great commission will be fulfilled the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and then Christ will return. The premillennialists, um, gener- generally premillennialists are pretty pessimistic about the course of human history, as are most amillennialists. Mm-hmm. Although it's possible for a pre- or an amillennialist to be optimistic. Yeah. So, for example, uh, Charles Spurgeon was a premillennialist. But he was he was optimistic the way a post millennialist is.
0: So your your book is titled Heaven Misplaced. How, how is it that Christians have misplaced heaven?
2: Well, um, the what that name, what that title is referring to, is the idea that many Christians have that we have a like a triple decker universe where there's heaven above and then there's earth in the middle and then yeah. hell below, and. Uh, our job is to sort of soldier through our lives here on earth and then when we die we die and go to heaven and that's it that's um that's the end of the story so dying and going to heaven is the uh, culmination of all things Mm -hmm. well jesus teaches us to pray thy kingdom come not thy kingdom go (laughs) yeah right so um uh, I do believe that if someone were to keel over a uh, Christian, were to keel over with a heart attack, um, to, the, uh, the Bible does teach to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I believe that they're with the Lord in what I would call an intermediate state. Mm. Okay. okay. That, inter- that intermediate state is the time between their death and the second coming of Christ, mm-hmm. when Christ will come back to earth. Okay. So... Um, Basically, I believe that um, that the the eternal state is going to be very uh, tr- it's going to be transformed. It's going to be very different from what we experience here now. But there will be continuity with here now. The earth is going to be remade. So in Romans eight, the creation groans with with groans too deep for words, looking forward to the redemption of the sons of God. So. Uh, we are going to get resurrection bodies, but the earth is going to get a resurrection body. Uh, you know, the, right. the whole created the whole created order is going to be transformed. And so, uh, I believe that what you have is um, the divorce between heaven and earth
3: mm-hmm.
2: that was brought about by man's rebellion and sin, is a divorce that will be overcome. So, I believe that heaven will return to earth and will be and will remain heaven so so um we will be here and we will be able to um, be with the lord in the heavenly places easily It it won't be a matter of light years
0: Okay. Okay. I see. And and I, I would even I would even say, Doug, and, and you would definitely agree with me that there there are that's not something that is distinct to post millennialism. I think that's just a misunderstanding with Christians at some point that they think that, that the heaven is Correct. just kind of like this never like that's the end all be all place. However, though all uh, eschatology would agree on that, um, it's sort of the means, I guess, of, of how all that happens. To that point is is is, is definitely the different weird.
2: Do you, yes, that is correct.
1: Yeah. Uh, Doug, I have a quick question, and we were just talking about um, when we read in Revelations 21, uh, when John is saying it, um, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, uh, your opinion, do you think when um, we'll have access to a new heaven and, and earth, uh, it was just a question we were just asked. like, we know that's going to be transformed, right? Uh, or do you think it's just going to be all one and the same heaven on this earth, or there's going to be an access oh. to...
2: No, I, I, I don't mean that uh, Earth is going to be the only heaven that okay. is. Uh, I believe that there will be an intersection between heaven as it is and earth as it is transformed. Okay. So um, so let's say Adam had never fallen. Mm. I don't believe that um, I believe that what happened in the fall was a disruption of the fellowship of heaven and earth. Okay. Okay. And so um, we are sort of locked up under the sky. Hmm. I believe that when things are restored, um, it does not yet appear what we what we shall be. But I believe that we will have full and complete access to heaven, awesome. and full and complete access to a transformed earth.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's wow. awesome. Yeah, that, that that'd be nice. That's something I can't even fathom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, Doug. Yeah, what what I was getting getting back to there, or what I was saying uh, right now was it yeah we we uh, all, all views of eschatology would agree that earth is the the end all be all place mm-hmm. that this at the end of the day is our home uh, however the the means by which all that kind of happens is is different and so when you say post millennialism is historically optimistic how does that look like? Like, how would you describe that sort of in a picture at the moment of second Christ, of Christ's second coming? Is is there any sort of uh, sin still left in the world? Is there, um, y- you know, y- you get what I mean? Because th- th- I'm a postmillennialist and you know, I, I Abe here is a pre-millennialist, and so we debate this all the time. And and, and I I talk about post-millennialism, and I kind of get this weird look on my face, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, Doug, yeah, if you could right. kind of just a- answer that, flesh that out.
2: Yeah um so here's the this is um there's a really difficult um thing to uh, and, um, not to crack here yeah. and um and so uh, I I remember I I had um, an evening of eschatology discussion with John Piper mm-hmm. and Sam Storms <laughs> yeah. and uh, Hamilton and Jim Hamilton and this this question came came up um and the question is this the the bible talks about the way of the cross take up your cross daily and follow me uh, true discipleship is always going to be um in in the context of tribulation and affliction and difficulty mm-hmm. right and so if i paint this golden picture a golden age um you know 10,000 years from now someone's going to say well what you know how can people even be christians how can they how can they uh crucify the flesh with his passions and desires is there no temptation to sin or whatever Mm -hmm. i say no um right there will be it's not going to be like the resurrection where it's absolute perfection it's going there will be people there will be unbelievers and there will be people who don't get or who struggle with different things it it will be a a um uh, an untransformed earth it'll be transformed through the power of the gospel but not transformed through resurrection power right right now if if someone says well i just can't get my mind around that how can how could it be possible for someone who's living in sort of a you know a theological paradise and the jetsons you know <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. yeah <laughs> if it's that you know good grief right. uh, um give me a break and i'd say well uh, if you looked at all of human history that golden age, in terms of certain basic amenities, right. that golden age is now. Okay. Okay. So if I'm if I'm trying to, and we even have joke about it. We talk about first world problems. You know, my my iPhone has <laughs> got to go in the shop again.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> good great. grief, and and it's I'm not going to get it back until tomorrow. Right. And my iphone has got i've got the computing power of a hundred thousand servants in my pocket right right and i'm trying to explain to a christian from the third century who's about to be thrown to the lions Hmm. right Right. that well we have affliction too (laughs) Uh well you know he's going to roll his eyes at me number one sure but number two every pastor who's pastoring in this time today knows that there really are afflictions that people really do have to trust the lord and they really mm. do have to lay it down and surrender loved ones who are going to die and and you know there, there it's not like um it's not like there is no trouble okay uh, just just because uh just because we've got it so much better than someone a thousand years ago had it doesn't mean there's no affliction and there's no trouble
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um somebody a thousand years from now is going to look back at our time and they're going to feel sorry for us like we were living in in the sticks
0: and so and so this brings up a, a, another point you want when you oh abe you want to say something oh i just wanted to say
1: uh by the way uh, doug that uh a night of eschatology and where john piper was mediating it mm-hmm. it was really really good yeah, presentation of all point points of view where brothers had differences in in, in these opinion we were able to uh you know talk about these things so thank you very much for For doing that, I know it was about six years ago that it was posted on YouTube. But um, it was good. It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that you guys. You guys looked like you guys were having a lot of fun. So for our listeners, you should go out there and check that out.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're, you're talking about people out in the future looking back. And, and and looking at us and saying, "Man, like, well, they lived in the Stone Age. Like we, we live we live much better." And I again, Doug, I've tried. You know, I've explained. You know, to to people my position of eschatology, which is postmillennialism. And and they'll, they'll object with common with things that are going on in today's age, mm-hmm. such as the other day I was I was uh I was watching some Now This video and, you know, it was it was some animal activist saving turkeys for Thanksgiving and they were using pro life argumentation and, you know, they were just flaunting sort of their uh, what they were doing, and I look at myself and I go, I go, man, like I, I'm questioning my pre premill a little bit, and then as well, Abe, uh, hey, uh, what did Chelsea Clinton say today? <laughs> she
1: said Chelsea said that Satanism is a religion and it should be respected.
0: Okay, right. So, so this is my point, Doug. Is I, we see right. these things, right? So premillennialists are looking at us like, are you kidding me? Uh, how how does this sort of process work out in the future in this kind of you know state that you're talking about? How, how does this work
2: right uh the the way it works according to the new testament is gradually Mm -hmm. all right so the i'm fond of saying the kingdom of god does not arrive like the 82nd airborne Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like that the kingdom of god is like yeast that was thrown into three measures of flour the kingdom of god is like a um um like a mustard seed that Mm -hmm. is planted and grows gradually until finally becomes so enormous that the birds of the air nest in its branches Mm -hmm. or there's a there's a rock that is cut out without hands in daniel's vision and it grows till it becomes a mountain Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not a mountain at the first right right so when jesus when jesus gathers his disciples right with they had uh, you know his 12 disciples are gathered there before he ascends into heaven. Mm-hmm. They've got two swords between them. <laughs> yeah, Luke tells us, and he says, "Okay, here's your mission: conquer the world. Ready, set, go." Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now, if I were, if I had a video camera or a surveillance camera running, on you know, f- pointed at Rome fifty years later,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't have been able to tell any difference. Yeah. A 100, 150 years later. I wouldn't have been able to tell any difference 300 years later yeah there's some differences now okay right um, so the Bible tells us that the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea but it's like throwing a garden hose into the bottom of a, a Olympic sized pool mm-hmm. and turning the tap on halfway
3: yeah
2: Right. you come back um, you come back an hour later and you can't tell you can't tell anything yeah you come back 50 years later, you'll be able to tell something, okay. because the thing is is filling up. Mm-hmm. So, so um, when I look at all the follies and all the difficulties and all the turmoils, and you know, all, you know, there's there's a bunch of um, a bunch of work yet to be done. Mm. Th- that's very true, but I, this is another paradigm thing. I believe that I'm living in the early church. Mm. Right, so f- future school children are going to be sweating over their in their study group trying to figure out. I can never remember who lived first. Was it C.S. Lewis or Athanasius?
0: And and, and you wrote in your in in your book in in Heaven Misplaced, uh, the son that is given to us will take the government upon his shoulders. The result will be gradual, not instantaneous. But present and steady. And so, my my question is to you: is since the incarnation of Christ, where do we see his his government increase and his peace being unceasing?
2: Okay, we see it in Europe, North America, South America, Africa. Um, if you if you look at let, let's say, uh, let me, uh, I'm not changing the subject. I'm not dodging your question here. Uh, one time, I I had the privilege of preaching uh, in a dispensational church. Mm-hmm. And I preached a high octane post mill sermon. Okay, and everybody loved. It. They ate it out of a can with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's <And> be, great. <laughs> be, because I didn't call it eschatology. I wasn't preaching an eschat. I yeah. You know, in yeah. my mind, I, I what I was preaching on was missions. Okay. I was preaching on missions and, and the task of missions and what we're called to do in missions. So, if I'm an agnostic, if I'm an atheist, or if I'm a Muslim, or if I'm a Marxist, and I step back and look at the demographics of the world, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about eschatology. I'm just looking at the demographics. Okay. How, ra- how rapidly is Africa becoming Christian? Sure. Africa is becoming Christian at an enormous rate yeah yeah how rapidly is south america becoming protestant yeah but south america is going yeah. protestant faster than europe was in the during the reformation mm-hmm. okay so if if i look if i if i don't expect the kingdom of god to arrive like the 82nd airborne and, yeah. and i and i Bake into my assumption, it's going to be five steps forward, three steps back, seven steps forward, you know, ten steps back, twenty steps forward, five steps back. You know, it's not like the space shuttle taking off. Okay. It's more like climbing up the side of a mountain range, mm-hmm. where you you go up a slope and then down into a crevice and then up mm-hmm. another slope and then down into a canyon and then up another slope. You know, it's right. It's that kind. It's that kind of progress. And if you assume that the church. The church age is going to be ten thousand years. We're still in the. We're still getting started.
0: And so, and what are your thoughts even to uh, about China right now? Right now, they're having a very difficult time. I mean, they're burning down churches. They're, you know, it's it's uh, pastors are being threatened. I mean, it's it looks pretty grim and bad. Uh, you, you're saying that. They're going to eventually um, uh, overcome that totalitarian government that's there, and specifically with the law of God. Correct. Correct. So, um, the,
2: so the, my question is, why, uh, why are the Chinese authorities cracking down on Christians? Yeah. How is it that Christians have gotten the Chinese, the communist Chinese uh, authorities' attention? Yeah. Well, they've gotten their attention because they're such a threat. Yeah. Okay, when the when the communists kicked all the missionaries out, right when mm-hmm. when the communists took it over, there were there were just a handful of churches, mm-hmm. and then uh, re- comparatively speaking, you know, this China right. after all, but yeah. um, but then when China opened back up and we and we come back in, we see that the underground church there has just exploded. Yeah, it has. You know. Um, and and so consequently, uh, they can fight us all they want, and they fight us until we win.
1: Yeah. Do, do you think that they know history? Like you know, we see what happened right. with the early church. Well, and look what I, happened to Rome. Rome. Yeah, but Rome. Like a Rome. Uh, do you think that they know this? They know that what Christianity you know can take down an you know an empire. Yeah, I,
2: like... I honestly think that they they know that we're more of a threat than we think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So if if I said. Uh, if I went to the king of Saudi Arabia and said, look, I, I, just give me 200 Christian churches of, of a very quietist disposition, mm-hmm. you know, evangelical Quakers or something, right? <laughs> and, just, and, and just let them operate in your kingdom yeah. free and without restriction. The Saudi king, is gonna, the prince, is going to say, not on your life. Kim Jong-un is going to say, not in your life. Yeah. Um, and we can cross our heart and hope to die. Well, we're not activists, and we're not political, and we don't really have political um, uh, a theology that's really thought out. And the, and the dictators are still going to say, not in your life. I'm not going to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, Because Herod is more aware of what a threat this child Jesus is than pretty much anybody else. Yeah. He, he's aware of the threat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and even <laughs> e- even going back to Rome, I mean, we Christianity ate it from the inside out, if you, if you want to say that. I, I mm-hmm. always remember um, reading Pile the Younger, I believe, and he's writing to the emperor of Rome, and, and and he's saying, what am I to do with all these Christians that I'm killing? I, they don't stop. They don't stop coming. Like, we're just killing and killing, and he, he doesn't know what to do with it, and, and the to me the only faith I mean this is objectively true but the only faith that could truly um, live himself as a sacrifice is a Christian because he has this eternal view of of, of life after death um, right and and so and yeah and Doug if you could kind of talk on that because I think that's that's very powerful and that's an aspect that uh, of the freedom of Christ that he has given us to to kind of have that Liberty with with our life if so to speak yeah if you could just talk about that yeah um...
2: Christopher Dawson um, a historian said that the Christian Church lives in the light of eternity okay and can and can afford and can afford to be patient mm-hmm. all right so when when someone is converted to, to Christ and they're they're baptized and they know that they're going to live forever <laughs> yes okay. yeah okay yeah they know that they, they know they're going to be raised from the dead they know they're going to live forever all of a sudden, um, you all of a sudden, all the old tricks don't work anymore. Yeah. So if if I'm living under a communist dictatorship, and I'm an advocate of Jeffersonian democracy, but I'm an agnostic or an atheist, yeah, and I'm trying to get little Jeffersonian societies going mm-hmm. to challenge the challenge the man, I'm going to have trouble. Yeah, because I I'm still operating on a plane that they can get at. Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. but you can't really. I just read recently. I've forgotten where, but uh, you can't really threaten a man with heaven because
1: heaven is a lot better than (laughs) here. Yeah, yeah. You can can kill me now, but you're just gonna you're you're gonna get me there a lot sooner, which is a lot better here. Yeah, Yeah. uh,
2: and and the dictator comes down to you and says, uh, if you don't play ball with this, we're going to arrange for an early promotion for you. Mm. (laughs) Right. And and so when the gospel has taken. Root in a people's life and heart, and people are really living that way. Mm-hmm. Then, all of a sudden, they have a completely different vantage point right. from which to to view conflict with the state. Yeah, the state is viewing uh, this is the whole ballgame. This is all there is. Huh. The um, the Christian says this is just a preliminary exercise, and if I get through this kindergarten exercise well. Yeah. then i'm I, i'm i can go in, i can enter into the real school yeah
0: yeah
1: I I can't help but think about it when I was a kid and everybody everybody were saying sticks and stones may break my bones but your words never hurt me. they yeah. that used to drive me nuts because that was the only thing that you can like do is hurt kids. <laughs> I was a little kid and everybody was just saying mean things. But yeah. the kid that always said that is like your words don't. I'd be like, Ugh, anything I say <laughs> just
0: doesn't hurt this guy. Right. So, um, yeah, d- d- going back on that eternal that eternal Christian view that's very uh very essential to to post millennialism. Um, I always think. Of the Vikings, I mean, people didn't like fighting the Vikings because they thought, you know, when we die, we they go to Valhalla, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I've always thought in my mind, you know, imagine facing uh, an army of true believing Christians who have this, what Paul said uh, for me to 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 live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah, I mean. In, so and to have God's law at your hand and His word, and just have that confidence, it is a threat. <laughs> yeah, it is a threat. Oh, yeah. It's um, a potent one. Yeah. Oh, ex- yeah. Exactly. Um, for for those who um, who are a little bit unfamiliar with like Marxism, totalitarianism, and and Christianity, why why is it, Doug, that Christianity is such a threat? Why is God's law such a threat?
2: Well, the central c- Christian confession is that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm right that's um, Romans um, Romans 10 9 and
3: 10
2: mm-hmm. um, so that's that's the central confession Jesus is Lord now if Jesus is Lord that means that Caesar isn't yep yeah okay um, so a man with an open Bible can can face a man sitting on a lawless throne and can say I defy you I'm I, I appeal beyond you.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, okay. Yeah. If I'm an if I'm an atheist, I might be a courageous atheist and defy the dictator, but I can't appeal past the dictator.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah he's 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 holding all the cards. Yeah. Right? That's so true. Yes. I'm I'm I might defy That's him and go to my death be, just because I don't like him and mm-hmm. I've got to die some way. Um, but <laughs> I can't I can't say um, that you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting.
0: Okay.
2: The Christian not only can say that, but at a certain point must say that.
0: Amen. Amen. Um, so, yeah, go- going back to the book uh, in one of the chapters, I believe it's a chapter two. Um, now, I really wanted to get into, into, into some scripture here. C.S. Lewis, in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, he said, We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumors that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get it." Doug, isn't there something that needs to be said about Lewis's observation? Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, I think that that, uh, that sermon, The Weight of Glory, is a glorious um, sermon. And uh, one of the things that he um, identifies, successfully identifies in that sermon, is how we were made for our future. Huh okay so uh we've been fashioned or put together by god the the god who made me and the god who made my desires and those things that will quench my desires quench my thirst is the god who made the future that will do that that will accomplish that correct so um i i'm not just I'm not just meandering through a pointless cosmos. Mm-hmm. The, the, the world is teleological. It has a point. It has a destination. I'm driving toward that end. In fact, going back to Romans 8 that I quoted earlier, mm-hmm. um, when the spirit within us groans with, uh, with groans too deep for words, it's groaning, um, l- yearning, or leaning f- toward my future. <laughs> right yeah so it's, think of it oh think of a woman in birth pangs not only is she in birth pangs but presumably the child is going through birth pangs
3: mm-hmm.
2: right right it's a it's a traumatic uh, it's not the same kind of thing as the mom has but the child is going through a, a traumatic event being born yeah and that event is something he is designed to go through and doesn't understand it
3: okay
2: yeah (laughs) you know what's what's happening to me what's going on Mm -hmm. um you know i sometimes think about eve when she was pregnant with Cain. um she couldn't run down to the Barnes Noble and Noble and buy a book on what to expect when you're expecting.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <It's> just <laughs> she, happened.
2: <laughs> she, you know, I have little doubt that Eve more than once, more than once, thought something like, "What is going on? Yeah. You know, no. w- right. what is this?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, whatever it is, I might not be able to consciously reflect on it or analyze it, mm-hmm. but I'm made for it. Mm-hmm. I'm still made for it, mm-hmm. um, and in the same way, I'm. I believe that um, I'm made for eternity. I think of Augustine's um, um, oh, in Ecclesiastes. God has put eternity in man's heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Augustine said there's a God-shaped vacuum in everyone's heart, and we find no rest until we until we find that peace um i think that we're made for eternity we're made for communion communion with god we're made for these glorious things mm-hmm. and we're longing for them and what lewis is pointing out in his sermon is that a, a beautiful autumn day all of a sudden it reminds me of something else or mm-hmm. i get a taste of northernness, or a taste of something that goes way beyond th- this um, beautiful vision that I've got here correct It's like an hors d'oeuvre or a, uh, a foretaste
0: yeah yeah and and, and even his aspect of something that needs to be said is just the New Testament. Uh, he talks about that the only the New Testament is kind of rustling with the rumors that someday you know what is what we're living in this world will not be so. but um, the Old Testament, as well as some premillennial passages of, of God's historic, or the op, the, the uh, postmillennial optimistic view of history, um, such as right. Isaiah 714, 9-2, 6-7, 11-6-10. I want you to talk about those because I, I really enjoyed reading that chapter of the book on that. I think it, it brings a lot to light.
2: Um, yes. So if if I could just say um, quickly that the, sure. the, 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 four, the foremost um, popular books in the New Testament of the Old Testament measured by quotation would be Genesis, Deuteronomy, Psalms, and Isaiah. Mm. And um, Isaiah and Psalms particularly, I would regard as peculiarly uh, post-mill books. They are are filled with um, this glorious vision of the increase of his government. There will be no end mm-hmm. uh the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea um on the on the mount of the lord the, the uh, there's a rich mountain uh, uh full of marrow full of fat isaiah 20 25 right um you know and then you have the great visions at the at the conclusion of the book of, uh, of isaiah where you have um the ships of tarshish bringing mm-hmm. bringing the um the glory of the kings and the nations into what ezekiel and john identifies as in effect the new jerusalem then in uh psalm 22 all the families of the earth will turn to the lord um psalm 110 verse 1 for uh, the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool that verse is the most quoted verse yep in the new in the new testament from the old testament um so god god the father says to the son sit at my right hand and i want you to remain seated there until all your enemies on earth are a footstool okay. and and that applies to every enemy i would say except one and that last enemy is death which paul says in first corinthians 15 christ will return uh, destroy with his coming okay. so every enemy of christ is subdued gradually under the preaching of the gospel and then Christ returns, and the dead are raised, and the last enemy, death, is destroyed.
0: Okay, and and you mentioned some books uh, of uh, of the Bible. I was watching a interview of, uh, or it was, it was more of a, a sit down with. It was John Piper, Tim Chester, and you. And uh, Piper said that he read Heaven Misplaced, uh, but he also said he, uh, uh, he he agreed with it actually the whole thing. But yet he said he he didn't find it a compelling case. For post-millennialism, and yet you know he's looking at these same books, these same passages, um, in this, in, in, just like as we are, but he's just not seeing it. Um, what what is it that that you would say that Piper is missing, or someone who who would kind of lean to his side in a green
2: I, I would I would put Piper as some as a variation of, of uh, where Spurgeon was. Okay. So I think I think uh, there there are two um, two ways of. Um, taking this one is the pre-ah uh, post-millennial okay. breakdown, and then if i could uh take a, a witticism from gary north he said there's a really only two positions pessimillennialism and optimillennialism <laughs> and yeah. and so i i believe that i share with piper an optimillennialism Okay, and then the disagreements we would have would be over how to read the train schedule. You okay, know, how, right. You know, I get it. You. You know, who goes up and comes down and goes back? You know when? Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of it, I don't really care that much about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those are really are difficult exegetical questions. Right. I don't. I don't think whether or not Christ reigns is a difficult exegetical question. I think we're told that over and over and over again and i think his reign is not invisible i think it's a a tangible palpable thing and i believe that uh john piper agrees with me on that Mm -hmm. and doesn't agree with me calling it post-millennialism which is fine with me
0: okay Okay. All right. So yeah. So we're already coming up on the on the, the top of the hour here. And uh, Doug, I just wanted to give you the opportunity, as we always do here on the program with our guest, uh, we have a national audience, and to preach the gospel. Uh, maybe you could give a post no gospel. <laughs> a worldly audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Go for it, Doug.
2: All right. So um, basically, the the thing that I believe that we should focus on the gospel is best represented for evangelical Christians by John 3 16 and I would encourage Christians to cultivate their understanding of the gospel by including the next verse 7 three seventeen. for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved um, so I would say the gospel is not something that um, is it would be really, really, really powerful if we only let it be powerful. I believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a powerful message that will accomplish the purpose for which God designed it, Uh, that the world would be saved, not that the world would be condemned. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So I would say to most evangelical Christians, what do you think Jesus is going to do when all is said and done? (laughs) <laughs> well, condemn the world. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Jesus is saving the world. Mm. He's uh, now he's not going to save the world through political action or through legislation or through better hygiene. He's going to <laughs> save the world through all, uh, all old time gospel preachers, the kind who spit on their hands before they start. And, and they're going to preach the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that message is going to conquer the
0: world. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you so much, Douglas Wilson, for coming on the program. It's always a, a pleasure to have you. Um, where can our listeners find you? And I know you also got something going on at your website. You're kind of stirring up controversy, brother. <laughs> oh,
2: very so. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the best clearing. That's probably the best clearinghouse for um, connecting to books and stuff that I do. And it's right. Doug Wills. DougWills.com. It's Blog and Make Blog is my is the name of my blog. And you can um, find your way there to um, books I've written and uh, articles, and um, so that's probably the best place.
0: Awesome, ladies and gentlemen! I hope you really enjoyed this program. I did.
1: Yeah, I was, did. It was really good. I mean, uh, I mean, there's probably so much more that we can touch <laughs> yes. on. Obviously, in you know 45 minutes just doesn't do any justice. And no, and we appreciate no, Doug coming on and uh, just teaching. Yeah. You know, and we, Thank you. We, we really, really enjoy it, you know, and that's what bridge ministry wants to do. We want to teach.
0: Yeah. Um, for, for those who are a little bit more interested in uh, in post-millennialism, uh, sometime out in the future, we are going to get uh, Dr. Kenneth Gentry come on to talk about his revelation commentary that's coming out. He's he's a post-mill guy. He's, he's great. But uh, anyway, guys, um, visit www, uh, www, <laughs> www.bridgebookstexas.org, click the about slash giving page, and you'll find more information about us. We We are uh, completely uh, dedicated to uh, discipling and equipping Christians. And uh, just thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, share. And as always, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Later.